Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And as a reminder, if you're making travel plans in 2024, remember to check johnnydollarair.com first. It's our Priceline affiliate link. And if you opt to fly through that link, part of the purchase price will benefit the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, when making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. Well, now we're going to get into the conclusion of the Cranesburg matter. The original air dates, August 29th, 30th, and 31st of 1956. It's the Cranesburg matter, episodes 3 through 5. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Betty, Mr. Dollar. Betty? Miss Crane's maid. I'm the one who... Well... Oh, yeah. What can I do for you, Betty? Have you told anyone about it? The gun? No, not yet. Oh, thank heaven. Do you still have it? What do you think I'd do? Bury it somewhere? Look, Mr. Dollar... No, you look. Somebody's used this gun. Used it recently. Who was it? You? No. I never saw it before. Then why were you trying to hide it in the incinerator? I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing. Is it your gun? I found it. Where? Please. Is it tied in with the theft of Miss Crane's necklace? I don't know anything about it, about, about anything. I, I just know I'm in trouble. You've got to help me, Mr. Dollar. Please. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Cranesburg, Ohio, to the Home Office Tri-State Guarantee Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Crane Matter. Expense account continued. <laughs> Item 7, $3.10 for a bad steak and worse coffee in the hotel dining room. But it didn't matter much. I had to rush it anyway with one eye on my watch. I was meeting jewel thief Swanny Prell at his rooming house at 9 o'clock. And Melba Crane's maid, Betty, was coming here to the hotel at 10 providing she could slip away from the house. The schedule was tightening up on me, but I still hadn't seen hide nor hair of the stolen necklace. That is, if hide nor hair can apply to a string of match pearls insured for $20,000. North Oak Street was in a lost and forgotten corner of town, dark and nearly deserted at this hour of the evening. The rooming house, a ramshackle frame built flush to the sidewalk, seemed to wait for me, brooding in silence. There were no names on the letterboxes and no sign of an office. I tried the front door. It was open. Room six was the number Smiley had given me. I walked down the long hall, studying the numbers on the doors with a dim light from a single bulb at the far end. Four, five, six... I heard the barest hint of movement behind the door. 
then silence. I reached down quietly and turned the knob. The door was unlocked. I took a deep breath and then went in fast. What the devil? Take it easy, Mac. All right, hold it now till I find the light switch. Well? Well, I'll be. Mr. Duff. <laughs> Aren't you a little out of your territory, Mr. Crane? I don't know what you mean. Sit down before you shake your teeth loose. I beg your pardon, sir. Don't mention it. If I may remind you who you're talking you to. You don't have to remind me. You're Phineas P. Crane, uncle of Miss Melba Crane, who had a pearl necklace stolen from her. You're one of the last two surviving members of the Crane family who founded Cranesburg. Mr. Dollar, I... And I have just caught you prowling the room of a known professional jewel thief. Now sit down. I can explain this, sir. Yeah, I hope so. I suppose our host isn't home. There's no one else here. Was the door unlocked, or were you equipped with a set of keys? I beg your pardon. Again? You're the most polite burglar I've ever tagged. This is not the way it seems, I assure you. All right, now you've assured me. Convince me. Uh, I came to ask some questions of the gentleman who lives here. Do you know him? Certainly not. It's hardly likely that I'd be acquainted with a person of his type. Oh, I don't know. He's a jewel thief. Your niece had a necklace stolen ten days ago. It kind of adds up in a way. Oh, it... Well, now, are you accusing me of complicity? I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just trying to find out what you were doing hiding here in Smiley Prell's room. I... I came here to talk to him. What about? But the reasons are personal, Mr. Dollar. Then you did know him. No, I... I... I knew he lived here. Because I, I followed him one day. I... I didn't know his name... I didn't know he was a jewel thief until you said so just a moment ago. I know, I know, this seems rather odd. (laughs) Well, that's one way of putting it. You'd understand if I were in a position to explain. It might be a good idea if you got in that position in view of the circumstances. I simply cannot. And I do not believe your capacity is such that you can force me to. You're quite right. But the police might handle it somewhat differently. Oh, I doubt it very much. My grandfather founded this town. (laughs) Yes, they remember that here. A matter of pulling rank. Oh, I think they had leaned toward believing any reasonable story that I might give them. A story like that is reasonable only as long as there's no actual evidence to disprove it. Oh, is that so? And you have such evidence? Not yet, but I think I will before long. Oh, (laughs) then I'll have to deal with that eventuality when and if it happens. Who are you trying to protect, Mr. Crane? I... I don't know what you mean. Why did you follow Smiley? Because I saw him under rather unusual circumstances. Before or after the robbery? Both. Well, uh, after. Yes, when I followed him. When was that, tonight? Uh, No, that was several days. But I... Did you expect him to be here tonight? Or were you counting on his room being empty? I did not come here to commit burglary. (laughs) May I remind you, sir? Oh, yeah, I I know. You're Phineas P. Crane, and you and your niece are the tip-top aristocrats on the local totem pole. Also, I happen to know your flat I beg I imagine $20,000 worth of insurance would look pretty good to you. I am not a thief. People have an odd moral sense sometimes. A lot of them seem to think insurance fraud is not quite the same as actual theft. I do not happen to be one of those persons, Mr. Dodd. What about your niece? Uh, Well, that necklace was given to her as an engagement gift by the man she's going to marry. And I'm sure its value to her is much more than the amount of the insurance. Maybe, and maybe not. You did tell me this afternoon that she's headstrong, impulsive. Well, yes, but I... 
I did not mean to imply, sir. All right, Mr. Crane. I imagine you'll be around when I want you. You're not the kind of man who runs away. So, for the moment, play it your way. Cover up and hide behind the family name. But sooner or later, you're going to have to talk it out with somebody. Either with me or someone else. Am I free to go now? (laughs) Sure. Sure, as far as I'm concerned. Unless you want to stick around and wait for Smiley. Well, I doubt whether there's much point in that now. Under the circumstances. Good night, sir. Keep cool, Mr. Crane. I shall make every effort to. As soon as Crane left, I made a quick search of the room and found nothing. Smiley evidently traveled light and lived light. There was hardly any sign he was even living in the place. I gave it up as a bad job, finally, closed the door behind me and drove back to my hotel. I was starting to see a faint gleam of daylight in the case, but I couldn't quite figure how Phineas Crane fit into it. And unfortunately, I was in no position to push him very hard since technically I had no more right in that room than he did. But all of my theories fell apart when I walked through the door of my hotel room. Come right in, son. Have a seat. Thanks. One of us could be in the wrong room, of course. Not if your name's Dollar. Oh, I wasn't questioning my presence, Mr., uh... You know a fellow named Smiley Prell? Well, I know who he is. Got business with him, have you? Maybe. Do I, uh, have any with you? Well, my name's Durham, Mr. Dollar. Ed Durham. Oh, well, it's a little late, Mr. Durham, so if you don't mind. I'm chief of police here in Cranesburg. Oh. Well, maybe it's not as late as I thought. Found your name where this fellow Prell had wrote it down, along with your room number here at the hotel. Eh, careless of him. Kind of helpful, though. You a friend of yours? Uh, No, no, I'd hardly call him that. Oh, I don't see any point in holding out on you, Chief Durham. Here are my credentials. I'm an insurance investigator working on that crane robbery. You don't say. Smiley Prell is a jewel thief, two previous convictions. He phoned the insurance company in Hartford and wanted to talk a deal. I flew in here this afternoon. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, these seem to be in order, all right. Thanks. I had an appointment to meet Prell this evening in his rooming house at 9 o'clock, but he didn't show. Reckon he wasn't in what shape to, Mr. Dollar? What do you mean? Prell got himself shot four or five hours ago. Shot? Yeah, real shot. Matter of fact, he's dead. Murdered? Kind of looks that way. Found him in a back alley behind the city park. Must have happened sometime this afternoon. You wouldn't know anything about it, would you, Mr. Dollar? I don't know. I might... Do you know what kind of a gun was used to kill him? Thirty-two revolver, according to the boys in ballistics. Well, hold on to your hat. I may have it right here. Uh, don't bother looking under the mattress, Mr. Dollar. What? I already found it. Yep, got it right here. You're pretty cagey, aren't you? Wasn't sure how to figure you. Reckon you're all right, though, or you'd have kept your mouth shut. Oh, thanks. How'd you come by it? I took it away from Melba Crane's housemate, a girl named Betty. Yeah, I know who she is. It was some time between 6.30 and 7 this evening. I caught her trying to hide it in the incinerator. You don't say. It's been fired, as you undoubtedly noticed. You might have it checked through, but I don't imagine it's registered. It's registered, all right. Oh? We don't have many guns around here. I recognize this one right off. Belongs to Phineas Crane. What? Add up to anything, Mr. Dollar? 
Not the way I've been adding. It's got me stumped, too. I, uh... I don't suppose you found that necklace on Smiley Pearl's body. No, not a sign of it. You figure, then, this murder is tied up some way with that robbery? What else is it to figure? What about these cranes, Chief? Just who are they? What are they? Well, they're an old line family. Just two of them left now, Phineas and Melba. Not as wealthy as they used to be, maybe. Milton Borkley at the bank told me the same thing. Funny thing about that, though. Lately, at least, old Phineas seems to have plenty of cash to jingle together. How lately? Now, not just since the robbery, if that's what you mean. It's longer than that. Last four or five months. Well, that checks, too, with what Borkley said. You got some idea they planned that robbery, Mr. Dollar? Oh, I don't know. I've got no evidence of it, if that's what you're asking. How do Phineas and Melba get along together? Well, they're kind of like royalty here, you know. They're pretty much to themselves. And if they do have any trouble, it's never heard outside the house. Uh-huh. What do you know about Melba's fiancé, this Dean Sellers? Well, he's been here about eight months. Seems to be a pretty nice fellow. Civic leader and all that. Everybody in town thought it was just fine when they got engaged. Figured they was meant for each other. Well, he certainly goes in for lavish gifts. A necklace with 38 match pearls is quite a... Expecting somebody? Yeah, quiet. Who is it? Betty, let me in, Mr. Dollar. Oh, just a minute. She phoned earlier, wants the gun back. Maybe you'd better listen in from the the bathroom there. Good idea. Let me get set. Okay, right. Come in, Betty. Thank you. I've got to have it back, Mr. Dollar. Have what back? The gun you were trying to hide in the incinerator this evening? Yes, of course. You mean this one? Oh, yes. Please, Mr. Dollar. Somebody's trying to get me into trouble. Who? I don't know. I found that gun. That's the truth. Found it where? Hidden in a drawer in my room out at the cranes. Who put it there? I don't know. I don't know. When I saw it, I got scared. I was trying to get rid of it when you stopped me. And now, tonight, on the radio, it says a man's been shot. Did you know him? No. Do you know whose gun this is? I don't know anything about it. Oh, give it to me, please. I'd like to, Betty. But I'm afraid things aren't that simple. What do you mean? All right, Chief. It's all yours. Johnny Dollar. This is Dean Sellers, Mr. Dollar. You may recall meeting me this afternoon at the... Yes, you're Miss Crane's fiancé. What's on your mind, Mr. Sellers? I'm downstairs in the hotel lobby. I'd like to come up and talk to you, if I could. Well, I was just on the point of leaving for the police station. Oh, and you know about Betty? Yes. As a matter of fact, Chief Durham arrested her here in my room. What? I said she was arrested. I know, but what was she doing there? I had the gun that was used to murder Smiley Prell. She wanted it back. Why all the interest in this girl, Mr. Sellers? Well, I... I Is it just because you happen to be engaged to the woman she works for? Well, yes, you might say that. No, that's not it at all. I've got to talk to you. All right. I'll meet you in the hotel bar in five minutes. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Cranesburg, Ohio, to the Home Office Tri-State Guarantee Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Cranesburg matter. Expense account continued.
Item 10, $2.75 for three brandies straight. One for me and two for Dean Sellers. Newcomer to Cranesburg, man about town and fiancé of local socialite Melba Crane. The man who'd given her the pearl necklace that had been stolen from the safe in her home. It had supposedly been an engagement gift. Yet now Sellers was flipping his lid because Melba's maid was in a jam. I remembered the scene in the Crane sunroom earlier in the afternoon. And Dean Sellers remembered it, too. When you walked up on the porch at the Crane estate and saw Betty and me in each other's arms, you, uh, well, uh... I thought the obvious, naturally. Yeah, I figured as much. That's why I tried to cover up when I talked to you afterward. You didn't have to, Mr. Sellers. I kind of wrote it off as just another bachelor having a fling before he settled down. Yeah, that's the way I looked at it, uh, at first. Mm-hmm. So? So? Didn't work out that way. How did it work out? I finally realized I was in love with Betty. I see. I know it may sound corny, but it happens to be true. Does Melba Crane know about it? No. Or at least I don't think she does. Well, what did she think when you broke off your engagement? Oh, I haven't actually broken it off. I I just uh, postponed it. I told her I was loaded with work and we'd have to wait a while. And she accepted that? She seemed to. Can't be sure about Melba, though. She's a cool one. Plays her cards close. Yeah, well, most women are pretty cool when they suspect somebody is poaching on their own private preserve. She may have suspected, but I don't think she could have known anything for sure. Betty and I haven't always been as careless as we were this afternoon. What about the pearls? Were you intending to ask Melba to give them back? I didn't really know what to do, Mr. Dollar. $20,000 is a lot of money. On the other hand, I gave them to her as an engagement gift. It seemed kind of rough to ask for them back after breaking the engagement on her. Do you think she'd have returned them if you had asked her? Well, I suppose so. Of course, it didn't go that far. Before I could make up my mind what to do, the necklace was stolen. And this afternoon, the man who claimed he stole it was murdered. Betty had nothing to do with that. You could be prejudiced, Mr. Sellers. I know her, I tell you. How well? Well enough that I'm planning to marry her. That's what I mean. All right. But that doesn't mean I'm completely blind about her. Somebody's trying to frame that girl. Who, for instance? I don't know. And for what reason? I don't know that either. But I do know one thing. When she says she knows nothing about it, she's telling the truth. I admire loyalty myself, Mr. Sellers, but there are a lot of facts against her. What facts? As you probably know, when I caught her with that gun out at the crane place and took it away from her, she was trying to hide it in the incinerator. All right. What's that proof? She'd found it hidden in a room and she was trying to get rid of it. Well, a lot of people, if they were innocent, might have gone to the police with it. Uh, she got scared. That's all. She, she lost her head. Uh, maybe. But that's not all that's against her. There are other things, a kind of pattern. What things? That safe at the crane house was opened during the one hour of the day that everybody was out somewhere. Including Betty, if you remember. So she claims. And she probably was. I'm not saying she actually committed the theft. She couldn't have. No one except Melba and her uncle Phineas knows the combination to that safe. No, no. I think Smiley Prell actually did the job. An old-fashioned safe like that would be a cinch for a pro of his talents. Then how do you figure Betty is being involved? Smiley had to know when to do it. And he had to get into the house. There were no locks forced. So he must have had a key. So, of course, uh, the maid must have helped him. Not necessarily, but it sure does add up. And then Smiley Prell was murdered, shot. Are you claiming she did that too? She was in possession of the gun that killed him. She was caught trying to get rid of it. But why? Why would she kill him if they were in on it together? Well, as you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, $20,000 is a lot of money. 
Maybe she wanted a whole necklace, not a half of one. You don't know her, that's all. No, no, you're right. But I do know what the facts seem to point to. Circumstantial evidence, nothing else. True. And not only that, but it leaves you hanging right up in the air. What do you mean? That pearl necklace. Now, there's a fact for you to swallow. As I understand it, the police haven't found it. That's right. It wasn't on Prell's body. And they didn't find it on Betty. If she killed him to get it, where is it? I don't know. Well, if she's arraigned for this, the prosecuting attorney had better know. Because without it, he won't even have a case. I'm quite aware of that, Mr. Sellers. I left him standing there, belligerent and despondent, and drove across town to the police station. It was late by then, and Cranesburg had pretty well folded up for the night. Well, that was fine with me. The fewer people I saw at the moment, the better. I felt about as low as Sellers did, because I was starting to get a hunch that this one might turn out messy, that no matter how it might end, some average decent people were bound to get hurt. It's like that sometimes, when there's been a murder... Chief of Police Durham looked like he was expecting me. Sit down, Mr. Dollar. Thanks, Chief. You, uh, planning to spend the night here? Nope, I'm about to give up. Going home in a few minutes. I've been trying to get a statement from that girl. Any luck? It depends on how you mean it. She's willing to talk, all right. Answers anything we ask her. But not the way you want her to answer, is that it? She won't budge an inch away from that same story. Says she found the gun hidden in her room, was scared because of the robbery last week, and tried to get rid of it. What about Smiley Prell? Claims the first she heard of him was that bulletin on the radio telling about his murder. That's when she got panicky and came to the hotel to get the gun back. And that's all she knows about it, huh? So she claims. We couldn't budge her on it. Uh Uh-huh. You still haven't found any trace of the necklace, huh? Nope. And without it, I doubt if the D.A. will even issue a complaint. Yeah. The same possibility was raised by someone else a few minutes ago. Who was that? Dean Sellers, the fellow who gave the pearls to Miss Crane in the first place. How come he's getting into it? Well, it appears that love has reared its head. He's frowning at the mouth over this girl's arrest. Claims she's being framed. He could be right, Mr. Dollar. I know. It beats me. Man just don't know where to start with a mess like this one on his hands. I think I'm beginning to get some idea of where to start. How do you mean? Look, I've got a photograph here from the insurance files. Take a look. It's a photo of that necklace. I see. I was wondering, Chief Durham, do you know of any jeweler here in Cranesburg who could make a duplicate of that? A skillful imitation? No. No, I'm afraid you'll have to go into Cincinnati for that. Be the closest place, at least. No, no, I don't want a duplicate made. I want to know whether somebody did go into Cincinnati for that purpose some four or five months ago. Well, might take a while to find out. How much of a while? Not too long, with a little luck. I could get Jim Markley in here. Markley? He's a local jeweler. He could take this photograph and give them a technical description over the phone. Done things like that for us before. Good. Yeah, might have something back for you by tomorrow afternoon. The sooner the better. Yeah. I'll call Jim and ask him to come down. One other thing, Chief. Yeah? I've already phoned Hartford and started them to work on this, but we may get faster results if you move in on it from this end. All right. What is it you want? I want a tracer put on Dean Sellers. I see. A complete rundown. He's been here for eight months. What did he do before that? Where did he come from? Where did he get the necklace? Who are his friends? What's his financial status? Anything you can get. I, uh, I don't quite see what you're aiming at, Mr. Dollar. I'm not quite sure I do. Who 
It was after midnight, and there was nothing more I could do until the next day except drive back to my hotel and sack in for the night. It was a good, sensible, conservative intention, and I managed to carry it to the point of taking off my tie and unbuttoning my shirt. The night manager had been pretty upset earlier when Betty Jackson came to my room and then left under arrest. I don't know what he thought when I had my second female visitor. Well, good evening, Miss Crane. Could I have a word with you, Mr. Dollar? Sure, why not? Come on in. Thank you. I guess it's a little indiscreet of me to come here like this. Oh, why so? Well, after all, this is Cranesburg, and when one has to maintain a sort of position in town, well, I'm sure you understand. Oh, perfectly. How about a drink? What? Drink. G-R-I-N-K. I even happen to have two clean glasses. I'm afraid you have the wrong impression, Mr. Dollar. Why so? It's good cognac. The best, in fact. Won't do a bit of harm to your uh, position. Make it a double, if you will. Check. May I ask you what has happened to cause you to throw discretion to the winds in this mad fashion, Miss Crane? I felt there was something I ought to make clear to you concerning Dean, my fiancé. I see. Here you go. Thank you. I believe you talked to him this evening, didn't you? Briefly, yes. Then you know, of course, that he's taking up for this girl, trying to defend what she did. He did seem to have something like that in mind. I also think you may have observed a little tableau in the sunroom when you came to the house this afternoon. Oh, now look, Miss Crane. Please. I'm quite aware of the situation. I've observed a few of those scenes myself. I'm not a complete fool, you know. Why are you telling me all this? The reason should be obvious. I'm dense. I can only understand what I actually hear. What I mean is... It should be rather apparent that any alibi Dean might supply in a noble attempt to save this poor, innocent girl should not be given too much credence. Because he might be prejudiced in her favor? Is there any doubt of it? Your glass is empty. Like another one? Oh, I don't believe I should. Thanks. Aren't you a little prejudiced, Miss Crane, against the girl? Very likely. Under the circumstances... Am I to take it, then, that you're on her side, too? (laughs) I am on the side of the Tri-State Guarantee Company. And if you remember, they're out $20,000 on a necklace that was stolen. I'm here to get it back, that's all. I think I'd better go. I shouldn't have come here at all. Whatever you think. Oh, by the way, has Uncle Phineas talked to you yet? We passed the time of day. That's all? We didn't have much time. The circumstances were a little unusual. And you've probably been spared some of his wilder imaginings. I wouldn't count on that. What do you mean? Sit down, Miss Crane. Finish your drink. We haven't even started to talk. Johnny Dollar. Good afternoon, sir. This is Phineas Crane. How are you, Mr. Crane? Highly perturbed, sir. Now, what's bothering you? My generation used to call it conscience. I want to talk to you, Mr. Dollar. Well, that's quite a change, isn't it, from your attitude last night? There have been a number of changes since last night. I can't bear the thought of that girl being imprisoned. She doesn't like it too much herself. 
All right, what's on your mind? I'd prefer not to discuss it over the telephone. Then you'll have to hold your horses. I'm waiting here for a call from Hartford and some information from the police. It might be the same information I'm ready to give you, sir. I don't think so. You should have talked last night, Mr. Crane. I might have been willing then to make a deal of some kind. And now? No deal. I can guess what happened to the necklace. And as far as the rest of it's concerned, I never make deals on murder. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Cranesburg, Ohio, to the Home Office, Tri-State Guarantee Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Cranesburg matter. Expense account, final page. (music) Item 13, $28.65. Phone calls to Cincinnati and Cleveland and two prepaid calls to Hartford. The wheels were spinning now, and I spent most of the day just sitting back and waiting. Toward late afternoon, Police Chief Ed Durham phoned, then Hartford, and then Durham again. And finally, the three black bars dropped into place, and the payoff was jackpot. Item 14, $10.50, second day's rental on hired car. I left the hotel just before dark and drove out through the north edge of town to the Crane Estate. When I'd gone out there the day before, I'd been mostly guessing, playing hunches. But this time, I knew pretty much what I wanted and just how to go about getting it. I thought the place deserted as I walked up the long arbor from the carriage house. But as I stepped out onto the terrace, I realized I was wrong. Mr. Dollar, over here. In here, please. Hurry. Why all the secrecy, Mr. Crane? I wanted to talk to you alone. I rather doubted whether I would be able to... If it were known that you were here... Able to or permitted to? Well, that's what I meant, sir. Permitted. Who would stop you, Mr. Crane? Well, that, you might say, is part of the story. The story I didn't tell you last night. Why not? Why didn't you tell me? I still thought then I might be able to save things. And you don't think so now? I'm afraid not. It's too late. You know too much about it now. What were you doing in Smiley Prowl's room when I found you last night? Looking for the necklace. I told you that. Did you know then he'd been murdered? Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't have had the nerve to go there if I had. And they wouldn't be of any use of going. That's when I realized it was all over when I heard Mr. Prell had been killed. Dishonesty is one thing, but murder is something else again. You're so right. Of course, it wasn't dishonest at first. It was all quite legal in the beginning. But not later. No, no, not later. I was against that. Not that I'm claiming any virtue for it. Probably it was just cowardice. Mr. Dollar, be as easy on her as you can. I'm afraid it won't be in my hands. I suppose not. These things are always done so impersonally by institutions created for that purpose. Rightfully, no doubt. But one occasionally wonders... There's something I wonder about sometimes, Mr. Crane. You refer to... Human greed. That's true. There's no real excuse for us, my niece and me. Reasons, yes. An inherited social position and way of life. And declining wealth to support them. We're soft people, Mr. Dollar. And when life gets hard, we we look for a soft way out. 
And that usually turns out to be the hard way. She'll find it so, I imagine. For me, it doesn't really matter anymore. How did you get into... On to Smiley Prell. How did you know he was the one who robbed your son? I was just guessing until you told me yesterday that he was a professional jewel thief and that he'd phoned the insurance company and claimed to have the necklace. But before that, when you were guessing, how did you know about him? What reason did you have to guess? I'd seen him hanging around the estate here twice, the week before the robbery and when I saw him again afterward, talking to his uh, uh, contact, uh, I guess you'd call it. His employer fits the facts better. I suppose so. Anyway, I put two and two together, and I followed Prowl. I found out where he lived. Did the employer know you'd done this? Oh, no, hardly. Or I doubt that I'd be sitting here talking to you. Oh, not that it matters, since you probably know more of the details than I do. All right, Uncle Phineas. That's quite enough. Melba. That was a very quiet entrance, Miss Crane. It wasn't intentional. I didn't know you were here until I heard voices. Uncle Phineas, would you mind leaving us alone? It's too late, my dear. I think time is about to run out on all of us. Aided a great deal, I presume, by some of your more senile imaginings. Mr. Dollar didn't really need any help. Please. Very well, my dear. I leave the two of you, then, to what I anticipate may be rather stormy. What were you doing? Pumping him? Trying to make him say things you could twist later and use against him? No, it was more a matter of humoring him, I'd say. What's the matter, Melba? Hangover from last night? I suppose you told him that, too, that I came to your hotel to see you. No, didn't seem relevant somehow. I see. Where's your fiancé? Dean? Sure, how many have you got? Mr. Sellers is in the billiard room. Why? What do you want with him? Oh, I need just a few more facts to fill out the picture. I think he can supply them, that's all. What facts? Why have you come here? Uncle Phineas invited me. What for? He said something about wanting to clear his conscience. His mind wanders. You know that. You can't rely on anything he says. I'm not. What about the girl they arrested? Your maid, Betty? Yes, Betty. If the police are satisfied she's guilty, why aren't you? Because I was hired to find a pearl necklace that was stolen from your safe. It was insured for $20,000, remember? And I haven't found it yet. Suppose I were to withdraw the insurance claim. It's a little too late. The police would want to know why. Why? Simply because I choose to. Because I don't want any more fuss about it. It's not a loss, actually. The necklace was a gift. Oh, yes, I know. An engagement present of great sentimental value from that wealthy young philanderer, Mr. Dean Sellers, who incidentally is broken than you are. What? Yeah. Got a complete rundown on him from Hartford late this afternoon. I don't believe it. <laughs> it's quite a shock, I imagine. You'd say anything just to help that girl get out of jail. Ah, you got me mixed up with Sellers, haven't you? He's the one who rallied to her defense. A cheap little flirt. I hope they convict her. Do you really believe she's the reason Sellers broke off your engagement? It wasn't broken off. It was only postponed. <sighs> well, it's like I said, Melba. A lot of surprises. By the way, I'd like to search Betty's room, if you don't mind. That's actually why I came out here. What for? That necklace. I was hired to recover it, remember? But if you think she's innocent, then why do you bother... How do you know what I think? I haven't really said, have I? No. That's true. That's quite true. Lucky shot, Mr. Dollar. You got two on the break. Yeah. Result of a misspent youth. All right. 
Four ball in the corner pocket. Expert, huh? Oh, just lucky, like you said. Oh, uh, by the way, Mr. Sellers, you were right about Betty. She isn't guilty. She was being framed. I told you so. Yeah, she was just an innocent bystander, you might say. Even though I did find the necklace a few minutes ago, hidden in her room. You found it? Good. The cranes, though, aren't quite so innocent. The cranes? No. Nine ball, the far side pocket. What do you mean about the cranes? They were broke, and they needed money to keep up a front. When you came to town and showed an interest in Melba, they figured you were the answer. Why, you're making Melba sound pretty cold-blooded, you know. Oh, there was no love lost. You were playing the same game. Huh? Sure, Sellers. That's the way you've always operated. Your last wife was a wealthy widow in Miami, Florida. You stayed with her for a year and a half and took her for $150,000. And all that was left of it when you came here was the $20,000 you had invested in the pearl necklace. That was your stake, and that's the way you used it, to convince Melba Crane you weren't a fortune hunter. Twelve ball in the far corner. Dollar, where did you get all this information? Police records. Then about a month ago, you broke off your engagement with Melba Crane. Why? Because I was in love with Betty. You were playing Betty for a pigeon. You backed out because you'd finally discovered that the Cranes were flat broke. I wasn't after Melba's money. Sure you were. But you wanted to get out without losing your investment, that necklace. So you brought in Smiley Prell to steal it for you. I never saw Prell in my life. Uncle Phineas saw the two of you together a couple of days after the robbery. Well, he's lying. So Prell pulled the robbery. And then he told you the pearls he'd stolen were phony. You accused him of double-crossing you. He thought you were double-crossing him. Net result, he got sore and tried for a deal with the insurance company. That's why you killed him. Are you accusing me of murder? That's right, Sellers. Eight ball in the end pocket. Who else, Sellers? Betty wasn't in it, except that you tried to frame her. And both the cranes knew the pearls were imitation. You were the only one who didn't. They weren't imitations. I paid $20,000 for that necklace. Not for this one. Melba sold the necklace a month after you gave it to her. They've been living on the money. She had this copy made in Cincinnati. Why, that cheap little crook. So the pearls you kill Smiley for and then planted upstairs in Betty's room are worth about 200 bucks at the most. Something to think about, isn't it? That's right, Dollar. And so is this. Uh-oh. That's a losing game, too, Sellers. It will be for you if you try to make a move. Shoot it out with the police? Is that your answer? If it comes to that. At least I know how to use a gun. Smiley Prell could tell you. Did you steal this one from Uncle Phineas, too? Oh, no, no. This one's my own. Now put down that pool cue and get your hands up. Slow and easy. When I go out of here... I'd... Dean, what are you doing with that? Thanks, Melba. What have you done, Mr. Dollar? Nothing. It's going to make him feel very happy for the next day or so. A pool cue makes a pretty handy weapon. Why? What, what was he doing with that gun? Surprise number one. Your fiancé is the lad who had your necklace stolen and then later killed his partner. Dean! Oh, that's probably the chief of police. He was coming out to meet me. You want to let him in? Murderer. And I was going to marry him. Yeah, I guess murder is a lot worse than fraud. What do you mean? You filed an insurance claim on a necklace you'd already sold. I imagine the company will want to prosecute. I... I didn't know what I was doing. You sure didn't, anywhere along the line. You were marrying Dean Sellers for the money he didn't have. And at the same time, he was trying to marry you for the money you didn't have. <laughs> Too bad it didn't work out. You two were made for each other. The police are getting impatient, Miss Crane. 
Expense account item 15, $186.25. Incidentals in Cranesburg and transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $409.10. End of account, end of report. Under separate cover, I am forwarding one necklace consisting of 38 pearls, all imitation. Approximate value, $200. Along with my sincere condolences. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, the curse of an ancient king and how it affected the lives and deaths of two people. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Howard McNear, Forrest Lewis, Paul Richards, Mary Jane Croft, Virginia Gregg, James McCallion, Shirley Mitchell, and Russ Thorson. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. The story definitely picked up the pace a bit, and I think the serial ended really well based on the strength of Bob Bailey's performance. He had some great lines and some really good scenes with both the Cranes, who of course were played by Howard McNear and Virginia Gregg. Uh, This was an expansion of a lunch story, The Beauregard Matter, and like in The Beauregard Matter, it features the coolest way to have a mystery denouement, and that is when you're shooting an amazing game of pool and revealing at the same time that your opponent is a criminal who's going to jail. I think that the serial was entertaining, but probably would have been more so if it lasted the typical five parts. If the extended story length proved anything, it's that the five-part serial really was a sweet spot format that gave stories just the right amount of opportunity for development without dragging them out. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we start with an email regarding the Nick Shurn matter. Lauren's email has the subject line, Is it even Christmas if you don't listen to the Nick Shurn matter? Lauren writes, So I admit, I listened to my favorite serial a little late in this season. Listening to the Nick Shurn matter is a tradition for me, and it did not disappoint. I even noticed a few new details this time around. For example, the not-so-subtle part that radio plays in Johnny's survival during the blizzard. A sign of the times, too good. I actually think I enjoyed it more than usual. Perhaps 
This was because I was anticipating this special tradition of mine, or perhaps it was because I wasn't distracted by the seemingly endless Christmas to-do list, or possibly I'm just getting older and appreciating the little joys in a different way. Also, your commentary on the serial was so insightful. I especially resonated with the commingling of good and evil, points which mimicked real life. True words right there. And Lauren concludes with best wishes for a memorable 2024. Well, thank you so much, and to you as well. And finally, we have a comment on the YouTube channel from Shelley, who writes, I started listening to your channel in May. I was in intensive care for a month and couldn't sleep. When a person is in there, no one can stay the night, not even the hubby. You guys kept me company and made the lonely night shorter. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Shelly. And I'm so glad we could be of service. And I appreciate you taking the time to leave that note. This sort of feedback means more to me than you could know. And I hope you have a healthy and happy 2024. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Zant. Zant has been one of our Patreon supporters since February of 2017, currently supporting the podcast at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Zant. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you're listening on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help YouTube channels to grow. We will be back on Tuesday with another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial. But join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet, where... What am I going to say to Frank? He always sided in with his mother. He'll never believe me. What can I tell him? Jury can give you more trouble than your husband can. What you going to tell them? Are you stupid or something? How many times do I have to say it? I didn't kill her. I didn't kill her. It's a small room, Ms. Renard. We can hear you. Sit down, please. I won't sit down. You're not pinning this on me because I didn't do it. Anybody could have killed the old hag, but I didn't. Will you sit down, please? I don't have to take this. I'm no tramp. Keeping me in here asking me questions. I told you all I know. Look, you're in a bad spot. I hope you realize that. I didn't kill her. Ms. Renard, how long have you and your mother-in-law been living together in the house on Chavez Road? Since Frank took the job up in Idaho. About six months. He said it'd be better for me while he was away living with her. Your neighbors told us you didn't get along very well with your mother-in-law. That's right, I didn't. She hated me, I hated her. You used to fight with her, is that right? You hit her. Only a couple of times. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.